if you want to get into film and video, today there's absolutely no reason why you can't go out and start making movies right now. Good morning, Jason. I'm excited to be here. Welcome to the Fit Team Show. I'm excited to be here too. We've been doing, um, this is second, third attempt. We've been practicing, so this is technically the first show. Right. I'm excited to have you on because I don't think people ever see behind the scenes. There's always a team of people, but you rarely see the, some of the people that are behind the camera. So I'm excited to do this. Me too. I mean, this is an idea that, that you had put out there almost a year ago, right? It was, it was back in, I think, mid-2018 where, right. where you said, hey, eventually I want to get this podcast going. I want to bring different people on board so they can tell their story and hopefully inspire people. And it's been a long time building up to getting the different things that we needed in place to do it. But I think we got a great team over there. We got Dylan and Jared that you guys can't see. And uh, we got the cameras set up and lights and mics. And it's a real deal, man. What I'd like to do today is just get to, for everybody to get to know a little bit about you, learn a little bit more about your story. And let's start with your childhood. All right, so we're gonna go that far back. All the way. Okay, um, well, I had a good childhood. It was a good childhood. My mother and father got divorced when I was two years old, and I was raised by my mother, but my dad was also extremely active in my life. And that was one thing, you know, early on that I, I feel like had a major impact. I mean, you know, there were certain points where me and my mom might have lived like 45 minutes away from where my dad was up to an hour and he would still leave work early to make it to my little league games and, and everything like that so i think what that taught me is to always maintain a certain level of responsibility and also maintain uh, a certain level of those relationships that are important it taught me what's important in life right if he he was willing to risk being ridiculed at work to get out early enough to be able to make it to even my little league practices you know, to be able to look in the stands and see my father there, I think that that's helped me be a better father. So, um, yeah, big impact. And uh, moved around a lot. It's all over the place. So from Metro Detroit to Ypsilanti, which, man, that was not an awesome year. Nothing against Ypsilanti, but the school we went to, sorry, Pittsfield Elementary, but it was the pits. I'm telling you, it was like a K through 12 school, and I used to get in fights on the playground all the time. And I think there was a kid that was actually – hurt very badly in a playground accident there it was but I'll get off that so then <laughs> then finally in third grade we landed in Clinton Township uh, which is the Lance Cruz School Districts and that's I mean I can just fast forward all the way up to high school which is where you and I actually met and uh, what year was that when you got down there great question seventh grade so and you came from the UP right correct all the way up there so you went all the way came up. down to hang out with the trolls isn't that, that's what the Upper Peninsula calls us, Lower Peninsula folks, in an endearing way. It's not a bad thing. Anyways. So what yeah. hobbies did you have before high school? Before high school. And in high school, what do you think you spent most of your time doing? Before high school, it was all creativity. So I remember taking shoe boxes and, and, uh, and my G.I. Joes and cutting out little windows uh, in the shoe boxes to make them into little forts. And I actually created like a little jail where I took uh, tinfoil and wrapped them around toothpicks to make the bars and stuff. And uh, there was a band. My mom didn't like me listening to a lot of the heavy metal that, that I wanted to listen to, which was like Motley Crue and stuff. So she got me on a striper, which is like a Christian rock band, <laughs> which is, you know, it was, it was very interesting. But I came up 
with this video game. I actually started because I loved video games also, so I guess that would be another hobby. But I actually created this video game where you were a, a, a striper rock star t- uh, time traveler, and you would travel to these different, and I think I was like nine at this point, and uh, you would travel to different places across the universe, and you would battle. So it was just like a one-on-one battle, but throughout time. And I, I, I wanted to use Striper's music in the video game. Before I even had any development or anything like that for the game, which never did come to fruition, um, I wanted to use Striper's music. So my mom walked me through writing a letter to their management, looking up, you know, who, who's the man. I didn't even realize that there was a management behind the band. They were just a bunch of rock stars to me. Uh, we found who that manager was and wrote a letter, and we actually got a response. They said, you know, if this game does come to fruition, we can talk about it and da 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 da. But yeah, so that also t- that was a wonderful lesson for me because it taught me that if you d- if that you always need to ask, you always you always need to ask, and it also taught me that there is always somebody behind the scenes mm-hmm. that's making things happen because right. I had no idea there was this manager that's actually kind of helping that band that I was such a fan of do things. Talk about high school. All right, high school. Lance Cruz. Lance Cruz Lancers. Uh, yeah, high school was fun. I had a, I had a really good time in high school. I uh, was lucky enough to be able to excel at sports. Worked hard at it. So I don't, you know, I don't know if I want to call it lucky, but it was hard work. Was able to learn a whole lot about the importance of a team. The importance of if you're in a position of leadership to, to, to make sure that you maintain a certain level of being an example. Now, I was also in high school, so I don't know if I was, you know, I mean, it's still a high school student. But, uh, yeah, played sports. Sports was a big part of high school, and so were academics. For me, I was told early on by my mom that if I wanted to get into a, a good college, and at that, at that time in society, it was really pushed on you that if you wanted to have any sort of life or any sort of career, you had to go to college. It's extremely different today. But back then, that was the thing. So I, it was basically school, my girlfriend, and sports, and my friends. So it, sounds, it was a pretty typical high school experience. Enjoyed basketball. That was my favorite sport. Um, I would say I excelled most in track. I was, the ca- I, was, I was a captain of our track team from, like, my sophomore year on, and high jump was my thing. Yeah. Snapped my arm in half. Forget yeah, talk about that, that story. Fun story. So... Yeah, I could jump pretty high in high school. And I remember this was the day after basketball season ended and the day before track season was supposed to begin. Beautiful day outside. And I decided that I wanted to go up to the middle school, middle school south. They have like 10 basketball courts, full courts that you can play on. And it was packed. There were a bunch of kids that went up there after school. And there was a, a, a rim that was just a little bit lower that I could actually, I could dunk on a normal rim, but I could do cool dunks on this rim. And so me being me, I was trying to show off. I, I was about to go leave and see my girlfriend. And so let me show you that, let me get one more dunk in. Mm-hmm. And it had been raining the day before and there was a, a little dip in the pavement. There was a little water right there. And I went up to dunk and I slipped. And all I remember is hearing <laughs> Like like a like a thick twig snapping, and I, st- I stood up really quick, and I looked down and I saw my arm swing, at, in the middle of the forearm, which it's not supposed to do, and I saw the bone pop out, and so I still have. Long story short, they had to they 
operated on me at 17 and they put in plates and uh, I still have the metal in there today. And they actually had to operate twice because instead of resting like I was supposed to, as soon as I felt like I could, I started, <laughs> I started lifting weights in, in Lefkowitz's weight class because I wanted to get back to the strength that, mm-hmm. I, that I needed to get back to. And the bone didn't fuse properly, so they actually had to go in a second time, take a bone chip out of my hip, and put it in the little gap that had formed underneath the metal so it would, so it would fuse together. Anyways, so yeah, that was, that, was, that, was a little, that was a lesson because I was known on the basketball court for, as somebody who would dive for loose balls all the time and somebody who would just go all out. And I was no longer invincible. It, it, it taught me that, you know, <laughs> there are certain things to fear sometimes and you need to learn how to conquer that fear and get over it. I'm proud to say like, I didn't have the best senior season in basketball. It wasn't the best. But by the end of that season, I was, I was diving on the floor again. And I want to give a shout-out to Coach Flynn, Chris Flynn. He was an amazing basketball coach. And he actually talked to me as soon as I got back from the hospital after my surgery. He called me into the athletic office, and he said, look, your basketball career is not over. He's like, you're going to have to work hard to recover and get back to where you were, but you'll get there. So, Obviously, you had, you know, a lot of people looked up to your jumping ability. Was there something that you did to work on that? Because there's times you could dunk and put your whole arm in the rim. I could, well, I could hit my elbow <laughs> right. on the rim. I couldn't do the Vince Carter right, arm right. in the rim. I didn't even Close. know that thing existed right, yet. Right. But maybe. And I, how I tall are you? Uh, six, basically six foot, five eleven. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I was able to jump pretty high. Did, what did I do to, to be able to achieve that? So ever since I was a little kid, I would always want to touch the ceiling or touch one of the, a low hang part of the house. My grandmother used to be like, you're putting fingerprints on the walls. Stop it. But it didn't matter. I was always jumping. My mom actually called me Tigger from, <laughs> from Winnie the Pooh, uh, because I would always be jumping always. I'll never forget the first time I, I dunked a, a mini ball. It was, I was thir- it was on my 13th birthday and it was actually a mini ball on a 10 foot rim at Clinton co-op apartments where we used to, I and mean, we used to play basketball all day long. <clears throat> to the point where in the wintertime we would shovel so that we could play on the court. That's how important that sport was to us. But I would just work really hard at it, and I would do it consistently over and over again. I would jump, 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 repetitive, repetitive, repetitive. And as I got into com- competing and jumping became more important, especially for high jump and track, it's all about practice and it's all about the time you put in. And this applies to anything in life, as you know. Discipline, repetition, and hard work. I would say those three things are the way that I was able to continue to develop my jumping ability. And I was lucky enough and blessed enough to have some wonderful coaches throughout, you know, my, my high school athletic career. Um, Mr. and Mrs. Chrisman were fantastic and uh, coach Flynn, and they would always just push you to go, you know, to go as far as you possibly could um, to work hard. They set up the proper uh, parameters for us to be able to work hard. And then they pushed us to do it and we did it. No, it's great because a good coach is going to push you to be better than you even think you're capable of. Mm-hmm. Absolutely, and they did. They absolutely did. That's something that, honestly, I, I've been able in my time at Fit Team to watch you do with people is I've seen you take certain brand partners, and you know I'm, I'm kind of getting, getting sidetracked real quick, but doing the Diamond documentaries for Fit Team has been one of the most transformative experiences of my life because I've been able to learn from these people that you know from having your house completely flooded to – weighing you know over 300 pounds losing over 300 pounds 
to, to be able to document and hear their stories. And in each one of those stories, every single person unsolicited, meaning un, unprovoked, you know, uh, without me even bringing your name into the equation, would bring up how you would push them past where they thought they could ever go. And most of them would get choked up. And I'll be honest with you, like there were a lot of the interviews where I had to throttle back the emotion as well. So, yeah, you said coach. It made me think of you. Appreciate that. <laughs> yeah, no Appreciate problem, that. man. So getting back to you, your story, t- talk to us about after high school. High school wraps up. What's next for you? All right, so after high school, so I had a couple options for college. Uh, and in hindsight, I can't – there's one option that I still can't believe I didn't take. I, I got a – and I remember the phone call. All my, A bunch of my friends were going up to Michigan Tech in the Upper Peninsula, uh, the Huskies. I had gone and visited Michigan Tech in the summertime when it's absolutely beautiful. I hadn't experienced the winter up there yet. And I got a phone call from Tri-State University. I forget what the name of the university is now. But they were going to give me the presidential scholarship, which was a full ride to to go there and run track. And it was academic. And on the phone, without even thinking about it, I just told the lady no. It's like, no, I'm going to Michigan Tech. She, She was just so caught off guard. I didn't see the value in a full, you know, I still, to this day, you know, there's college debt that, you know, I'm getting rid of, thankfully. But so anyways, uh, I went to Michigan Tech my freshman year with a bunch of friends up there, and it was a good time. Thought I wanted to be a mechanical engineer. Actually, my parents thought I wanted to be a mechanical engineer. I always wanted to go into film and video, but everybody was telling me that there's no possible way you're going to make a living doing that. You need to be an engineer. So I went up there, I tried it for a year, had some fun, but hated mechanical engineering. So I transferred to the University of Michigan. Thankfully I was able, I, so I, I might've partied a little too much up at, up at Michigan Tech. And when I got out of there, I think I had like a 2.9 grade point average, which in high school I graduated salutatorian, I had a 3.98. That was like living on the edge for me. And the only way I was able to get into the University of Michigan, this is another testament to my mom's influence on me as, as a child, she called and talked to the admissions person and personally like sent my, my high school records over and said, how do I get my son in, in to school there? He wants to go into film. And she said, you know, admissions are a lot more lenient in the summer. All you have to do is get him in one class in the summer. I'll push that through. And as long as he does fine in that one class, he'll be enrolled for the, for the full four years so that's what happened I took one class on Native American history (laughs) after my freshman year of uh, college and commuted to Ann Arbor from Clinton Township two days a week I believe it was and then what kind of drive is that it's probably about an hour hour hour. it's just an hour it's an hour hour and ten minutes to me it was worth it to be able to pursue the whole film and video thing Mm -hmm. and so during that time at the University of Michigan, it was it was a great experience. Uh, I was there the first year that they beat Ohio State uh, for the national championship. I think it was 97. I think that was the last time that Michigan won a, a uh, interesting, very quick side note story. <laughs> so I was able to buy uh, student tickets. I may have told you this before. I had split season student tickets for, for the University of Michigan, and it was like 70 bucks that I paid for the full split season. When that Ohio State game came that was going to determine who was going to win the national championship, I sold my ticket for $550. And that, and to me, that was paying off some of the debt that I had accumulated and was able to pay off my books. And I was able to sit on a couch and watch the game with my buddies who didn't have a ticket to it. But 
I tell people that today, diehard Michigan fans, and they look at me like they want to slap me. <laughs> but, you know, in my head at that time, it was a hustle. I needed, to, I needed to be able to pay for my books. So in the four years that I, four and a half, maybe even five, I don't know, I think it was like 2001 that I graduated from Michigan, I learned a lot about <clears throat> the, history, the history of filmmaking and screenwriting and, and things like that, but I did not learn a lot about the actual production of it. Uh, hands-on type stuff, you know, operating a camera and editing, edit, editing things. So most of that came post-school, came after graduation. So Any other, you know, good stories you want to share about U of M? <laughs> oh, there's so many. Uh, I don't know if they're necessarily ones I, I want to share. I'll, how about I'll, I'll talk about one one guy extremely inspiring guy and and his name is kevin kuchek he was a roommate of mine for two of the years two yeah two of the years and he was somebody that you talk about pursuing your dreams so we're very close to coming to graduation time and we used to call him cooch kevin kuchek kevin had for his freshman year of school he had been given a full ride in math to go to cornell which is an Ivy League school, and he was in the physics department. And he excelled and did wonderfully, but he hated it. So he decided he wanted to go into film. He went from a math, the math full scholarship to an Ivy League school to wanting to go into film. So we get up to the point where he's about to get his bachelor's degree with me and graduate with me with, it, with our film degree. And he decides, you know what, I also want to be an actor. I want to I wanna get a bachelor of fine arts degree, which at the University of Michigan, there are people that, that work their entire lives to lead up to this audition to get into a BFA program at U of M, and then they don't get in. Kevin decides, I'm going to go for it. He goes to the audition, doesn't rehearse anything, just does this weird, I don't even, I can't even describe it. it, it <laughs> he told me what he did. It was, it was almost like he was singing non-words, and, and the BFA board was so inspired that he got into this fine arts program. And so he graduated with like two degrees. Uh, he did a little bit of acting out in California. And now he works for Facebook all over the place. The reason I bring him up is you talk about somebody who wasn't scared to pursue their passions and pursue their degrees and to go all in every single time that he decided that he wanted to do something. He did it. He went for it as hard as you could go for it. And that's, that's probably still to this day. We don't talk at all. Uh, I believe he just got married. Congratulations if you're watching this. Um, but he was one of the most inspiring people uh, that I can take away from the University of Michigan for me. It's still to this day I think about it when I'm potentially like going to do something that sounds like it's nuts. I'm like, eh, you know, what would Cooch do? Awesome. <laughs> so right after U of M, what's next? So right after the University of Michigan... Uh, I wanted to get into, obviously, film and video, and I, I wanted to figure out a way to make a living. And so, thankfully, at the time, Michigan had a, uh, a, the Michigan Film Office in Lansing, and they, they had this book that was super thick, and it was the Michigan Production Guide. And what it did is it listed every single person. You had to pay to get in the book, but every single person that was active in the Michigan film and video community. And so I said, okay, well, I need to find production companies that I can go and be an intern for, a production assistant for, and there was a list of, I think it was 50-some, maybe maybe it was closer to between 50 and 100 companies. 
And so I printed out a resume and a cover letter that I customized every cover letter for the company and sent out and waited. And honestly, there was only one production company that I was interested in getting a call back from. And uh, it, was a, it was a company that worked with Eminem and had gone on tour with him throughout Europe. And that was the only one that I got a call back from. That was it. And so I got an internship with, with them. And I, it was, I'll never forget when I went in for the interview. It was in the middle of the interview and the door opens and Eminem pops his head in. And he's like, hey, how's, how's my Superman video going? And I just, and so I was a huge hip-hop fan growing up, like huge hip-hop fan. And so when I saw his head, I just, I, I kept my cool. I didn't react. I didn't fanboy out or anything like that. Hmm. And I think that might be, in hindsight, I think it was orchestrated to see, okay, can we bring this intern on board? How are they going to react by being around these famous people? Because it turns out that this place wasn't just a film and video studio. It was an actual recording studio called 54 Sound where Marshall would, I would see him every single day with his production team, Steve King and um, Mike Strange and Louis Resto and uh, all those guys uh, making music. I was able to watch them make music and I was able to watch the work ethic that, that he, that Eminem put into his passion. He would come in there every single day, regardless of if anybody else was, he would be working on beats and, and production for other people's records that weren't even in the studio. He treated, he treated it like a job. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. But because he loved it. And, and I think that he, he didn't underestimate or take for granted that he was able to be doing what he loved to do. You know what I mean? So that experience was pretty good. I met a guy named Matt Dudley. He was a fellow intern during that internship. And uh, I lasted uh, at that internship for about a year. One thing that I did learn, too, that people might look at as a negative thing, the guy that I was working for, the guy that ran the production company there, he wasn't very nice. And he taught me how not to treat people. And I always have taken that experience. He had the opportunity to be a mentor for me. And instead, he beat me down. He would beat me down and insult me in front of people. And if he made a mistake, he would blame me. And uh, it, was, it was a very negative environment. But he taught me how not to treat people. And I took that experience. And I, throughout my career, decided that, you know what? I'm always going to treat people with respect and dignity. And any opportunity I get to teach somebody something or mentor them, I'm going to do it. I'm not going to be scared to share my knowledge. So. I just had to throw that in there. Oh, that's great. Uh, I met Matt Dudley uh, as an intern. My boss had made me fire my fellow intern. That shows you how awesome he was. Uh, about six months after that happened, I finally quit that internship, stopped at a red light, and Matt Dudley pulled up next to me while I was on my way home from that studio. I just have to clarify something quick. So did you fire Dudley? I had to. I was Okay, got you. So... I never heard this story. That's why. Yeah. So the guy I was working for mm -hmm. didn't want to have Matt on board anymore because Matt would ask for things like, I don't know, gas money because we'd be running errands and stuff and we were just broke. And, and this guy didn't like that. So mm -hmm. instead of this guy talking to him, he said, Jason, you're going to tell Dudley I don't want him here anymore. So <laughs> I had to go to my friend mm -hmm. and be like, hey, man, this guy said get out. And so, yeah, that, that was not a cool experience, man. It wasn't cool right. at all. So, yeah, the day I finally quit, I, <laughs> I stopped at a red light, and Matt pulls up next to me, and he's like, hey, roll your window down. A friend of mine, this musician, is, is uh, he has a concert coming up. I forget where it was. I think it was at the Emerald Theater in downtown Mount Clemens, mm -hmm. Michigan. 
and, and I'm going to film it. Do you want to film it with me? And so that was our first gig together uh, as I think at the time it was, we called it Do Right Productions, but that was our first, that was how our production company was born. And so Do Right Productions became Face, face Man Productions and we started doing a bunch of work in, in the music industry in and around the Metro Detroit area for a ton of the local bands and we started to develop a name and a reputation. These guys are actually doing professional quality grade work at you know a, a fraction of the price that the, the major production companies are trying to charge. It was because this Panasonic camera had come out called the DVX100 that was able to mimic the look of film but put it on video. I don't want to get too technical with it, but it was a pretty revolutionary moment in, in the prosumer uh, market for the evolution of video production. And that's what we were able to catapult off of. And through the years, uh, there's, you know, there's been some zigzags. Me and Dudley uh, stopped working together, not for any one particular reason, and I... I found another business partner and we ended up opening up a marketing agency uh, where we did some web work we also owned an art boutique in Royal Oak called 323 East that was you know back in 2008 2009 and then me and that business partner went separate ways and me and Dudley crossed paths again and uh, now we do work with Collective Detroit uh, and we have a, a, a new brand that we're going to be launching called Disruptive Face Media which is going to be interesting uh, it's just going to focus on those scroll-stopping ads that you see on Facebook, those videos that they're camouflaged to look like they're actually part of the Facebook feed, but then all, all of a sudden the screen will break or a, a bug will run across. It makes you stop the scroll. So, yeah, there's some exciting things coming up with Matt. But, yeah, we, we left that internship, and since then it's, we really haven't looked back. You know, we've been working together ever since. Awesome. Let's talk about, obviously, our relationship, Fit Team. You've... You know, we brought you in, I think it was a year ago, it'll be a year in December, and you've been working with us since the beginning. Yeah. Since the beginning of Fit Team. So you've seen, like... I've seen the growth, man. It's been so cool, like, going back to those Diamond documentaries. I'll never forget. So when you and I reconnected after after college, I was seeing all these posts on social media, you're on the front of a boat, you know? like, <laughs> And I'm like, man, what is what is Chris doing? What's, what's going on? And, and you were inspiring, too. There was a lot of these quotes and things that you're putting up and I was seeing all these people that, that you had this social proof that was happening so I reached out to you so when I found out that you were, so we connected at that moment but then and, and maintained a rapport it was cool because I would learn from you every single time we would talk there would be another nugget of wisdom that I would take away that I was able to apply to like entrepreneurial goals or goal setting and goal achievement in general and so you were turning it into a mentor before you even realized it I think I don't know and so when I found out that you were launching Fit Team, I called you up and I remember I, I said, so when are you gonna have me do your flagship videos? And you said, you know, I, I think right now isn't the time for those videos, but we have these uh, brand partners that are experiencing tremendous amount of success and we need to do these do documentaries on them, diamond documentaries on them. And so that's what happened. So instead of doing the flagship videos, I got to interview the most successful people in your company and for me to be able to do that and learn from their stories was a, even more transformative. It was an even more transformative process for me. And so, you know, I appreciate that very much. I appreciate that opportunity. It was, it was great. But so since then, I've been able to watch Fit Team flourish and grow. And yeah, I've been there since the beginning and I've been able to go to some events and meet some absolutely amazing people and, and talk to people and learn from, that's another thing that I think everybody 
out there should realize is that every single person that you interact with, you can learn from, has something to teach you. And in turn, you have something to share with them. There's a reciprocity there. But that reciprocity, I believe, can only be experienced if you recognize the value that they bring to you into that interaction as well. So, you know, you know, we've done the Diamond documentaries about a year ago. Right. We, you know, we have some ideas. Can you come help us with our video? Help us get more hands on. Help us just do a better job. You've come in and just exploded our video content. I mean, it's been amazing. I appreciate that. And I know, you know, you've done an incredible job. And now you're looking to continue to do that. You have the systems in place for us. Obviously, the Fit Team show and mm-hmm. the hundreds of videos you've done. <laughs> In a short amount it's, of time, just it's, it's right. been incredible. And obviously, you still have your other company, and you're looking to even grow that business with the, some partners you have. So definitely want to give you a plug for that to talk about. And op- sure. you know, here's an opportunity to, if people are looking for video work, you mm-hmm. know. Well, yeah. So it's been great. So I'm, I'm looking forward to I'm I'm looking forward to keeping South Florida as almost like another home. I'm heading back to my hometown of Metro Detroit, and um, still going to be doing some work with Fit Team, which I'm ex- very excited about. But also, you got a, and you got another one on the way. Ah, uh, yeah, in March. For those that don't know, I don't know if you're sharing that or not. Yeah, yet, but yeah, we got we're, We don't know the if it's a boy or a girl you yet. Don't. It's our third child. Okay. I got a didn't even talk about my family at all. I got a four year old and a five year old right now, Donovan and Sophia. I got a, another little little baby on the way in March of 2020. So I'm excited excited about that. Uh, the business front is also going fantastic. I can't wait. Um, so. A lot of the stuff that's 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 coming up, I can't slingshot it too much right now because it's still in development. But it's not just video production in the traditional sense. It's a way that, of taking uh, videos and applying it uh, across multiple plat- social media platforms for different businesses to get a very strong return on investment. We're, we're also looking at moving into a kind of a subscription model instead of having all these different island projects to where you pay a certain amount of money and you get a certain amount of videos. So we're building a team right now. Uh, yeah, and it's going to be it's going to be exciting. That's actually my next question, because they're, like I said, behind the cameras, always a team of people who some people in your life. You mentioned Matt Dudley. Maybe you can expand a little bit more on him. I love his leather neck reconnect. Yeah. Uh, you can talk about that. Anybody else that you, you, you want to mention? Absolutely. So Matt Dudley uh, has him in this uh, his Marine Corps brother, Mike Lose. Uh, Matt, they're both veterans, obviously, and they decided to launch this this show. Uh, initially, it was just, hey, let's do this road trip where we're going to see our brothers from the Corps that we haven't seen in years and reconnect with them and film it. And they did that, and it went really well, and they discovered that going on this road trip and reconnecting with veterans was a, a lot bigger than just hey, let's go have fun on a road trip. They were actually meeting up with Marines mm-hmm. and guys that were in a, in a really tough spot, you know, and, and helping them to reconnect with their brothers so that they felt like they weren't alone anymore. Because, you know, the, su- the, the suicide rate is pretty bad as far as, uh, you know, veterans go. It's, it's almost it's a scary number. So now Matt and Mike, Matt Dudley and Mike Lowe's and Leatherneck Reconnect is a, a thing where they go out on multiple trips and they, they've established a network all the way in Vegas. This guy in Ghost uh, is called Ghost in Vegas, has the Leatherneck Club. And um, 
they have events all over the country. So that's huge. If so someone wanted to learn more about Leatherneck Reconnect. Just or, Google or Leatherneck. Get. It's all one word, Leatherneck Reconnect. So Leatherneck, one word, Reconnect. If you Google that, you'll go to their YouTube page, you'll go to their Facebook page, and uh, you'll learn all about those guys. <laughs> it's, it's, it's funny. Don't, you might not want to watch it with your young ones. Is it? They might cuss a few times. I heard Marines use swear words sometimes. So be ready for that. Uh, so, yeah, go, you would go there. And, the, and another gentleman that has been highly influential in, in my career and almost like a mentor from more from a technical standpoint, he's shown me tons of tricks of editing and everything, is a guy named Jason Zara. And uh, Cinema 48, they do, like, uh, wedding videos. But they're, they're, they're not like, you know, traditionally back in the day you would think, oh, wedding video this corny thing they're very cinematic and beautiful and jason's been a director of photography on some of the music videos and things that i've done and he's just a super talented photographer and so i definitely want to give them a plug too uh he's been part of the team and then there's another gentleman named wayne roberts uh he goes by the name of wayne 10 he's a mailman by day and uh owns a red camera by night and <laughs> i've brought him out on some amazing productions and he's absolutely crushed it and uh, so, yeah, that's that's the core team. And then there's another another buddy of mine that I met through the whole music side of things uh, was in a band called Natives of the New Dawn. His name is Joe Ficany. Uh Now he's a businessman who does a lot of things, one of them being event planning. And so he's going to be on board on the team and we're actually going to be helping do char charitable events and different things in and around Metro Detroit and Gross Point area and actually putting on some of our own events. So it's going to be an interesting ride. <laughs> so for any entrepreneur out there, what's a tip two, three that, you know, you, for someone getting started? So what, what advice do you have for them? Advice for somebody getting started. Number one, you can bootstrap a lot more than you think. You don't need the money that you think you need. You just need to go out and start doing. Go out and start taking action. So... Yes, if you want to become an investor in real estate, you probably need to figure out a way to secure said financing. That takes money. Mm -hmm. If you want to get into film and video, today there's absolutely no reason why you can't go out and start making movies right now. I mean, uh, Steven Soderbergh, I think, is the guy that's made in multiple entire feature-length films on an iPhone. And he's also done some major, major films. So my point is, take action. There, there needs to be planning that happens and you need to have goals in mind but more important than all of that other stuff is doing it you need to do it so whatever the thing is that you're trying to do as an entrepreneur get out there and do it the other thing is discipline and this is something that over the past year that i've been here in south florida working with fit team it's something that i've really learned and seen that i wasn't applying as much as i could have been applying the discipline to to, to do what you want to be doing with with your life or with your career on a consistent daily basis every single day mm -hmm. and even even if it's on the weekends and you're committing even a few hours every single day uh, that discipline and consistency is absolutely vital and you would be blown away by what you can accomplish when you implement those two things into your routines uh, now that being said on the converse well, day after day, week after week, month after month, just doing those daily disciplines, those little things are going to compound over time, and you're going to be right. That's the light years ahead of other, other people, right, because you know, you're taking those daily consistent actions. What's the book? The compound, compound effect. Yes. 
That's absolutely at 100%. Uh, and then on the but on the converse, I'm going to say this: as you experience success later in life, and I learned this part hard, but you need to make sure you maintain balance. So, yes, you got to grind and you got to put in work, but you also, you know, relationships take work, and there are people in your life, uh, your children, that those types of things. You need to make sure you're setting aside time to devote to that as well because, you know, it, if you don't have a balance there, and that's the, the point I'm trying to make, if you don't have a balance there, things get out of whack, right? If you're, if you're spending too much time over here, things are going to get messed up over here. So you got you to gotta work hard to maintain that balance. That's the third thing that I would say, but that's later in, in your Early right. on, obviously, your, being successful and having no one to share it with and no one around you right. and miserable in every other aspect of your life isn't good. Isn't a good thing. No, it's not. So it's, uh, I've seen throughout the years some things, and I've seen people experience tremendous amounts of success and just be miserable. Absolutely. So yeah, balance. <laughs> Any last words? Anything else you want to? Um, well, share with the listening or watching yeah, audience. Yeah, I just want to say I want to thank you for the for the continued opportunities that you've given me to learn uh, through Fit Team. I'm excited to continue those uh, relationships and those those opportunities for learning. And uh, honestly, I will say this: I'm going to give Fit Team a play. I know it's called the Fit Team Show, and I know people that are watching this probably already know what Fit Team is. But if you haven't really explored the opportunity that Fit Team is, you should, because I I've seen it firsthand i've seen what can be accomplished through this through this vessel through this company that, that you and your team have created and it's something that's extremely special and it's something that's very viable and I, I definitely think people need if you have not hopped on board or checked it out you should <laughs> awesome i appreciate that appreciate yeah. everything you've done for fit team and i'm really excited to continue everything we have going forward we have a lot of stuff we're working on behind the scenes i know a lot of people are gonna be excited about rock and roll man